Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Acts. Today is episode 224. We're looking at Acts chapter 5, verses 33 through 42. The apostles have been arrested in the temple for preaching about Jesus. And they were put in jail to be held overnight to appear before the Sanhedrin. But an angel came and released them during the night and told them to go back into the temple area and continue preaching the gospel. They did. The Sanhedrin met the following morning and then went to fetch them from the jail. But they were missing. And then somebody came in and said, the guys you had down in jail are actually out there preaching about Jesus again. So the captain of the temple police went and convinced them to come and appear before the Sanhedrin. They brought them in and said, basically, uh, we told you to quit doing that. What do you think you're doing? And Peter proclaims the gospel to them. And that's where we pick it up today, verse 33. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was respected by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men to be taken outside for a little while. He said to them, Men of Israel, be careful about what you're about to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed and came to nothing. After this, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and attracted a following. He also perished, and all his followers were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan or this work is of human origin, it will fail. If it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even be found fighting against God. They were persuaded by him. After they called in the apostles and had them flogged, they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and released them. Then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name. Every day in the temple and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Well, they brought the apostles in and challenged them. Um, you're, you're violating our rules. We told you to quit doing this. You're trying to make us guilty of the blood of Jesus. Peter presents the gospel to them. Basically, not a defense of his innocence, but proclaiming the guilt of the Sanhedrin, that they too needed forgiveness of sin. And so verse 33, when they heard this, that is the gospel, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. The implied threat prior to this was, we killed Jesus, we can have you killed too. And uh, sounds like a good many of them would like to do that right now. Perhaps stone them to death right now on the spot or at least take them outside and stone them. Verse 34, But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was respected by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men to be taken outside for a little while. So we have this guy, Gamaliel, a Pharisee. Now remember, uh, the, the power players are the Sadducees. And you have the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and then some uh, laymen that are elders, The Pharisees are probably a minority on the Sanhedrin, but they are respected by the people. They're more connected to the local synagogues. They're more the teachers of the Bible versus the Sadducees. They're the the aristocracy. They're the ones that run the, the temple area. They're the high priests. 
And there's some theological differences. Remember, the Sadducees don't believe in life after death. They don't believe in a resurrection. They don't believe in the coming Messiah. They're very friendly with Rome and the accepting of the Greek culture, where the Pharisees, the word Pharisee actually comes from an Aramaic word, which means standing apart, separated from. So they want to be separated from the world around them. And they're very much into obeying the scriptures, the Old Testament. They believed all the Old Testament, not just the Mosaic law. They believed in angels. They believed in life after death. They believed in a coming resurrection. They believed in a coming Messiah. So there's some huge differences between them. And the Pharisees are more in touch with the real people out in the real world. Now this guy, Gamaliel, is kind of a Pharisee among Pharisees. We uh, see him mentioned uh, later in uh, chapter 22 of Acts. As Paul mentions that he was taught by Gamaliel. And, and that meant something because Gamaliel was the, the most respected teacher. And he was respected by all the people. And so normally it would be the high priest who would dismiss the accused to go outside. But Gamaliel's got some sway. And uh, he probably gets his way uh, in these matters because uh, people don't want to cross him because everybody loves him. So he orders that the apostles be taken out while then he addresses the Sanhedrin. He said to them, Men of Israel, be careful about what you're about to do to these men. So he, he warns them, be careful how you proceed here. And he gives a couple of examples of, of things that have happened. Some time ago, Thutis rose up claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed and came to nothing. So he mentions this guy named Thutis. Now, the Jewish historian Josephus mentions somebody named Thutis who started a rebellion. Some of the details are different because it, uh, this says that uh, there were about 400 followers where Josephus' history seems like it was a much bigger following. So it's probably a different Thutis, and the time frame doesn't match up because the uh, Thutis of Josephus occurs probably 15, 20 years after the events here in Acts. So some people say, obviously, Luke got it wrong. Others say, well, no, it's somebody else named Thutis. And so he doesn't give any time frame, but there was a guy named Thutis. He tried to start something and he had 400 followers, but it didn't work. Verse 37, after this, man, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and attracted a following. He also perished and all his followers were scattered. So he mentions somebody else who tried to start something. Tried, and notice these are all guys who tried to start a revolution that came to nothing. And that's the Sadducees' fear, is that all this Messiah talk could result in some people trying to start a revolution. Verse 38, So in the present case, I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. For this plan or this work is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even be found fighting against God. They were persuaded by him. So Gamaliel's advice to the group is, okay, you've seen revolutionary groups rise up. It's happened. Josephus' history talks about just a, a lot of uh, 
revolutionary uh, attempts throughout the, the years trying to overthrow um, one group or another. And, and they all came to nothing. And Gamaliel saying, you know, if God's not behind it, it isn't going to work. But if God is behind it, you yourselves could actually be found fighting against God. Ironically, that's exactly what they are doing. We look back and say, this is God at work here. This is a movement of God. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God the Son. And here you are. You guys executed him. And now you're fighting against his followers. You are fighting against God. So verse 40, after they called in the apostles and had them flogged, they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and released them. So there was a threat before, quit speaking in the name of Jesus or else. And so the or else, back in verse 33, they wanted to kill them. But here in verse 40, they settle for having them flogged and with a repeat of the or. Now flogging, that's being whipped with a you know, some kind of leather whip and probably doesn't say how much. It could be a varying amount, but kind of the standard undesignated flogging would be 39 lashes or 40 minus 1. Deuteronomy 25 verse 3 says you can't flog somebody more than 40 times. And so the, the standard was 39. In case there was a miscalculation, say somebody counted wrong, you don't want to exceed 40 because that would be a violation of the, the law of Moses. And there'd be two lashes on the back followed by a lash on the front. So whatever number it was, it had to be divisible by three so you could have that two-to-one ratio. And it was, it was pretty severe. People were known to have died from flogging because uh, being beaten severely like that. So this wasn't just a, a spanking. This was a pretty severe punishment that they went through. So verse 41, Then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name. They were flogged. That was It's brutal. It's pretty severe being flogged like that. But they went out rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be flogged in the name of Jesus. Verse 42. Every day in the temple and in various homes, they continued teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Well, the flogging didn't work. They continued to preach about Jesus in the temple on a daily basis. Now, verse 42 is, is what they call a chiasm. It's, uh, it comes from the Greek letter chi, which is an X, where it, uh, it's kind of a sideways V that uh, works its way to the center, then back out. So it's A, B, B, A. The A is in the temple, then B in the various homes, then B teaching, A proclaiming. Proclaiming could also be preaching. And the uh, the two A's go together. So they were in the temple preaching. They were in the homes teaching. That's not a big point, just uh, something to notice. That's, that's what you do in the temple. You're proclaiming the good news. You're preaching the good news. You're sharing the gospel with people who need to hear the gospel. But in the homes, this is with fellow believers. You're teaching. Teaching how to live the gospel. Teaching how to follow Jesus, teaching how to live the gospel.
So what do we take of all this? Uh, one, just what incredible faith these people have that they are flogged and, and, and go out rejoicing that they were worthy to suffer in the name of Jesus. We also see the, the wisdom and advice of Gamaliel. Now, this is not God's advice here. This is Gamaliel's advice. And so it's not a command in Scripture of never try to take care of any problem that rises up like this because if it's of man, it will die out. But if it's of God, you can't stop it. There it may be a reason you would want to step in and stop something that is of man if it's dangerous. Particularly, you know, we see the rest of uh, the New Testament where there's error in the church. It doesn't say you just leave it alone because it will amount to nothing. No, it says deal with it. But the... Uh, idea that is if it is of God, be careful lest you find yourselves actually fighting against God. And that is something clearly to remember. Because so often when something happens which we're not used to, something happened which is doesn't line up with our tradition or even our level of comfort, and we may want to step in and try and stop that, to nip that thing in the bud, it may actually be a movement of God. So we got to be very careful about when we're trying to stop a movement. If it is something that's leading people astray, then we, then we do need to take action often and, and, and stop something. But be careful we're not doing it because it's just something that we don't like or something that we're uh, not used to or it's something different because it could well be a movement of God. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the book of Acts.